The following podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network. Find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com. It's like your favorite call-in radio show, without being able to call in, and without being on the radio. Building HVAC Science with Bill Spone. Welcome back to another episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. I'm certain many of our listeners have had ideas for products of their own. I know a few for a fact. Trade practitioners are clever and innovative on the job and so able to see new ways to connect the dots and solve a problem. How do you go from idea to successful product on the market? How long does it take to develop award-winning products? Today we're joined by Bob Belvick, product manager for the HVACR Service Tools Division of Inficon, a publicly traded diversified industrial giant with headquarters in Switzerland. Bob shares his background story and talks about Inficon's other industries and what makes them different from competitors. He focuses in on refrigerant leak detectors, one of the specialties of Inficon, which date back to the 1969 founding of the company by scientists and engineers from General Electric and Syracuse University. Bob takes us on a walk through the product development process, which includes capturing customer needs, integrating technologies, analyzing the market, alpha and beta testing, and working with a development team. He gives us an overall view of the complexities and time it takes to do it right, which is an Inficon characteristic. Among many other tidbits, Bob also shares with us how they arrived at the name Inficon. So let's take a listen to Bob Belvick describe to us what happens inside product development at Inficon. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Bill? Good. Bob, why don't you just locate yourself for us? Where are you? Where do you work from? Where's Inficon? Inficon for the division, the service tools division that you're familiar with is located in Syracuse, New York. And that's actually where I live. I live right near the factory about 10 minutes away. So nice and close to there. And that's where most of our handheld leak detectors come from. Very good. Where is Inficon based? You said the service tools division. Are there other divisions too, Inficon? Yeah. So Inficon service tools, the part that you know, where we make refrigerant leak detection for the service side of the industry. So our, our DTEC and TechMate type products, that makes up only about 10% of Inficon as a whole. Inficon is a pretty worldwide company. We have well over a thousand employees worldwide in different industries. We have our factory in Syracuse. That's a pretty big factory there. Then we have another one about a similar size in Cologne, Germany. We have uh, a factory, a smaller factory in Liechtenstein, which is, I think, the smallest country in the world. It's very small. I've been there and it's a great place, but it's very, very tiny. (laughs) And we also have a couple other smaller factories, one in Overland Park, Kansas. And we do have a factory in Shanghai as well that we do some stuff out of. And what are those other products that make up 90% of Inficon? What's the technologies, markets, that kind of thing? The other parts of Inficon are we make, so you're familiar with the handheld leak detectors. We make benchtop leak detectors, a much larger, more precise version of those for use in the production industry for refrigeration and air conditioning. So one of the things that we like to tell people is that we know leak detection pretty well because we've been doing it a long time. And we also are on both sides of the industry. We do the leak detection at the factory when your product is brand new. And then we do the leak detection in the service on the once it needs service later on or during installation. 
So we're on both sides of the industry from beginning to end of the product's life. And that really would set you apart. I can't think of anyone else that's in the service tools industry that has that same kind of spectrum. Yeah, and I think I agree with you there. I don't know of any others either. But going back a little bit, I guess we could talk a little bit about Inficon's history. That'll give you a little bit of an idea of what we're into. We've actually been around, we just celebrated our 50-year anniversary last year. So we've been around since 1969. We were actually started by a few engineers and people from GE and from Syracuse University, and they decided to branch off and start making those benchtop leak detectors for production. They were making them for Carrier, another big company in Syracuse for refrigeration and air conditioning. They're right around the corner from us. We started making a benchtop leak detector in 1969. And then I think it was right around the same time, I think maybe 1970, we also made a uh, thin film controller which totally different industry. Yeah, I got to explain that one. <laughs> that kind of leads me to one of our other industries. The thin film is basically, if you think about almost anything that you buy these days, a lot of it has thin films. What a thin film is, is it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a very thin film of something. So it could be your eyeglasses have a really thin anti-reflective coating, anti-scratch coatings things like that, your camera lenses, your cell phone screen, all that stuff is made as a thin film. That's In those cases, we would call those optical coatings. But there are tons of different types of thin films for different applications. And some of those are in the semiconductor industry when they actually make displays like on your iPhone or a big screen TV, they use thin film technology to make those displays. So what we do in that industry is we make controllers and monitors for those processes, because generally when they, this is obviously a pretty broad statement, but when they make things like that, a lot of the times they put them into a big vacuum chamber. So they put this, let's say it's lenses. They'll put these lenses or eyeglasses or whatever on this fixture. They'll put it into a chamber. They pump the chamber down to vacuum. And then they evaporate, they use an evaporation process, they heat up the material that they want to go on that lens, they heat it up so it gets very, very hot, and it evaporates in the vacuum and deposits on the lens. And what we do is we put a little quartz crystal up next to the lens, and the quartz crystal vibrates at a specific frequency. And when the frequency changes, it's because mass is being added to it when the material gets deposited. So we can tell it's hooked up to a monitor or a controller that's calculating what the mass is of the material and how thick it is. Got it. So the deposition rate of that exactly. material is to be the thin film on top of it. That sounds like a Inficon's a company that's deep into technology. Is there a meaning for Inficon for the name actually? So I was always told that Inficon stood for instruments for intelligent control. I think that's where they came up with it way back 50 years ago. 50 plus. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Instruments for intelligent control. You can see there's a quite a pedigree of technology, understanding of technology and physics. Does that lend towards any kind of product attributes or sensors that end up in the service tools division? Absolutely. And there are, so far, I've really only talked about thin film, but we've got other industries that we're into. I mentioned the semiconductor industry. So in the semiconductor industry, we do a lot more than just the thin film. We also make uh, residual gas analyzers and things of that nature, and uh, also gauges, different vacuum gauges and whatnot to measure the and help control the whole vacuum process. 
because some of the when you're talking about manufacturing semiconductors, the process is very delicate and you want to have everything in your system to be as pure as possible. You want the semiconductor wafers. If you get some impurities in it, it ruins the entire process and you can throw away hundreds of thousands of dollars in a product just because the process got messed up one time. So it's very important to be precise. And that's what you would put a residual gas analyzer on the system or several in some cases to tell you what's in the system. And you would put, put or obviously understand the vacuum gauge. You want to make sure that your vacuum is good, that you have a very nice high vacuum setup. So using some of the other technologies that we have in those areas, we are able to develop a little bit better leak detector. And obviously, a handheld leak detector is a little bit simpler than some of the others out there. And that's why part of the reason why DTEC costs 400 something dollars, the DTEC Select, instead of $20,000, like a high-end benchtop leak detector would cost. I'm glad you drew that comparison there because that was something that was missed. And also, if you could draw the comparison with vacuum levels, because I believe there's a difference between service and vacuum deposition. Oh, absolutely. The vacuum levels you're talking about when you're servicing an AC system, you're bringing it down to 500 microns or something like that. When you're looking at a a high-end semiconductor producing system, you might be talking about bringing the vacuum down to 10 to the minus 10 TOR, which is very, very low. I don't remember the comparison off the top of my head from TOR to microns, but it's significant. It's very, very low. You're talking very fluidly and fluently about these topics. What's your background? So I actually, I know a lot about the thin film stuff because I actually used to work in that group. Ah, okay. I went to college locally in Utica, which is only about a 45 minute drive from Syracuse. They were actually part of Syracuse University when I started. So I do have a Syracuse University degree, but my undergraduate degree was in physics. So that kind of, I was interested in the technology and how things work aspect of life, I guess. (laughs) So science, science tickled your fancy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Science and engineering has been an interest of mine for quite a while. And so I went there, I got that degree. I actually used to, before I came to Inficon, I worked at a component testing lab local to the area too. And I learned some inner workings of some of the small electrical components, resistors and capacitors and MOSFETs and things like that. I did a lot of destructive analysis of those. And then I came to Inficon and I stopped thinking about that stuff. (laughs) But when I came to Inficon, I started getting more interested in the marketing and the customer side of things too. Mm -hmm. So my physics background actually gave me a really good start at that because like I said, I started in the thin film group. So my customer base is very, very technical, talking to a lot of PhD physicists and scientists and my background at least allowed me to speak on the same level with some of these customers and help them solve their problems. Then I started, I actually went back to school once I worked for Inficon and got an MBA. So I have the marketing side of things under my belt now as well. I worked for the Thin Film Group for about six years, and then I came over to Service Tools where I am now. I've been at Inficon almost 12 years now, so it's almost half and half. (laughs) Got it. And when I introduced you, I didn't really say your title or your role there. Give us an idea of what you do at Inficon. Yeah, my title is product manager for the service tools group. So that kind of, it's a little bit of a broad title, but it it includes a lot of stuff. So first off, I help set up products and work with the engineers to design the products. 
I mean, they do the actual CAD work designing the products, but with a lot of input from me and my team, I have a couple of guys that work with me on the product management side and obviously more people in the sales and marketing that we all work together and help come up with requirements for our products. But it's basically my responsibility for product requirements. And so because of that, I end up doing a lot of voice of customer stuff. So I end up going out and talking to a lot of the different customers out there and visiting job sites and whatnot, because I think the best way to capture the most accurate customer information and requirements is to go visit the customer on the job site, see them using the product and ask questions while they're doing it. Walk a mile in their shoes kind of thing. Exactly. That's the best way to do it in my experience. And you can, right now we're in the situation where we're not really able to do that from the global environment. Or So it's not quite as easy when you're just calling a guy on the phone and saying, hey, what do you do when you do this? <laughs> but it works. So put you on a spot a little bit, but do you have a voice of the customer experience that sticks out in your mind over the last 12 years that really said, wow, I'm glad I did that? Okay. So here's one example. I was working with a customer. I don't remember where it was, Arizona, maybe. We were visiting a grocery store and looking around at some different things. And he was doing some leak checking and he was showing me how he was trying to leak check behind the, into some insulation. He was trying to leak check a pipe that was insulated, had some big insulated wrap around it. And he was trying to peel the insulation back. And what we found was that it would be much easier for him if he had something that he could just poke through the insulation. We're actually working right now. It's just about finished for our new DTEC Stratus and DTEC 3. You have a needle probe that you can, it's a hard probe about an extension about eight inches long that you can stick through insulation to leak check behind it. That's how you end up discovering a lot of things that customers really need. And it's not always, there's a fine line between what sometimes what customers want and what customers need. If you have a guy say, oh, this needs to have, let's say you're talking about a scale. If this needs to have a hook so I can hang it up. Well, is the real need that he needs to hang it up or is the need that he can't see it when it's on the ground? Yeah. What do you want to do? What's the use case, that kind of thing? Exactly. And that's really where you got to take and synthesize a lot of customer inputs and then make it practical and make them happy. But maybe you make them happy with something that wasn't even on their mind, but something that comes out of all these inputs. Absolutely. And honestly, I'm really proud of our latest products, the DTEC Stratus and DTEC 3. Those were with the service tools group. Those are my first products from start to finish in the development. And uh, admittedly, there are a couple of things that aren't perfect, but there, I think we came very close on those and I'm pretty proud of those products. And I was very happy when I went to one of my first trade shows, when we started showing those products, the Stratus especially, and we've had the DTEC select out for since 2004. So customers have had a lot of time to spend with it and they have their wish list, right? Mm -hmm. So I came up to me and he said, oh, I have a select. What about this? Is this different? And I'm like, yep, we did that. He's like, oh, what about this? Yep, we did that too. Oh, what about this? Yep, we did that too. <laughs> so every single thing, there were, I think there were maybe five things that he said, oh, I wish this was better on the select. I said, that's better on this one because I talked to dozens of customers probably that have that owned a select or even competitive leak detectors to find out what they did and didn't like about it. And it helped us to develop a product that I think checked a lot of the boxes. One of the things that I learned somewhere along the course of my experience was you need to ask the question, why five times? 
and then you'll get to the root of what's actually going on. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth behind that. <laughs> so could you take us through, one thing I want to do is just draw a little connection. I think I might've mentioned to you, but I grew up in Rome, New York. So right near Utica. Yeah, I think you might've said that to me before and I forgot. That's great. Yeah. That's only about 20 minutes from my hometown, which is Durhamville. Oh, cool. And I went to college up in Rochester. So we said, I think probably like a good decade off, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) we shared some (laughs) similar trails and travels there, I'm sure. Definitely. Could you walk us through the DTECH stratus, just in general steps, like where did that start from and how did it get to be the finished product that it is? And and talk about a little bit, because some people might not be familiar with what the product actually is. So DTECH stratus, I guess just to give a a basic summary, DTECH stratus is a leak detector that we added an LCD display to that gives you the ability to read the PPM concentration of the background. And the point behind that is so that when a customer walks into an area where there's a lot of refrigerant, if you have a regular leak detector, it's usually just going to alarm and you have no idea where to go. Your best bet is just to wander around and try to find something or look for some signs of a leak. And it makes it pretty difficult. Some guys have honed their craft pretty well, so they can do it pretty well, but it's not easy. So with the Stratus, you have that number, that PPM number, and you can watch it as you walk around the room, go up, go down. You have a pretty good idea of which direction the leak is going to be in, especially if the leak has been going for a while and you have a big background of refrigerant or right around that leak, it's going to lead you right to it. And the other nice thing is you can sort of quantify it. I don't want to say quantify, but you can, I'm going to say qualitatively quantify the leak, meaning that if you have two or three leaks, you hold it up to each one of those, you can tell relatively pretty easily which one is bigger. Because sometimes you have to choose between fixing leak A or leak B right now, and you always want to fix the bigger one first, obviously, unless it's something simple like a Schrader valve or something like that. But it's better to fix the bigger leak probably the majority of the time, but it gives you that ability. And PPM just for the audience too. And I I know you know this, but it's, that's a concentration or a strength indication in the environment where the probe is. You move it to another environment that strength will change. The concentration will change. It's not an absolute number because a leak goes into atmosphere and then the dilution begins. Yeah, because the air is constantly shifting and moving around with the pressure differentials and everything going on in the area. So your PPM number, like you say, it's not always an absolute. So one of the unique things, actually, I know you asked about the development of DTEC Stratus. Let's go back to that now that we've talked a little bit about what the product does. Well, one thing, though, you you mentioned something that I, I think relates to the, what's the cloud? Isn't a term you use with the product? Yeah, it is. So what we call it is cloud hunting mode is the mode where you see the PPM readout. When we came up with that phrase, that cloud hunting, because we hadn't really heard that much before, but we thought it was a pretty appropriate name. Cloud hunting is more or less saying that you're looking for that cloud of refrigerant because a lot of the time refrigerant is heavier than air. So it falls out of the leak site instead of rising up like you would instinctively think, but it tends to hang in the air in clouds. So that's why we came up with the name cloud hunting. And Related to that, that's how we came up with the name Detect Stratus, because obviously Stratus is a type of cloud, and and it sounded pretty cool. <laughs> that's one of the fun parts about the product development cycle is you get to name products, and we try to keep it kind of fun. When we did Detect 3 and Detect Stratus, we had everybody in a big conference room, and we just started. We got pizza 
for lunch. We had a big luncheon. We got pizza and wings and we had just started writing down names on the whiteboard and saying, okay, give me another one. Give me another one. What's a good product name for this? And then everybody voted and everybody liked DTEK Stratus the best. You started to touch in there about the naming is one of the project elements, the big chunks of product development. Why don't you delve into that a little bit? Sure. Just the general product development yeah. cycle. So with Stratus, this was right after I came on into the group. So it shows you how long it took us to develop this product. And so it's a good, well, Stratus we released last year. So it was probably about three to four years from inception to product. And it kind of just started, we were thinking, yeah, we need to develop an, a replacement for our DTEK Select because it's been around since 2004. That's what we started thinking about ways to do that. And we came up with the idea. We said, well, it'd be nice if we had something a little bit higher end that could do. And that's when we started thinking about the cloud hunting stuff. Some of our engineers said, hey, we think we can do this. There aren't that many. There is one product out there on the market that I'm aware of that has a PPM display. It's much bigger and more expensive. So we thought, let's make it smaller and let's make it more affordable. So we did that or our engineers did that. And kudos to them. They're pretty smart guys. We actually worked with, we have a team of engineers. Our engineering team is a little bit split. We have some engineers in Cologne, Germany that we work with, and some engineers, we have several in Syracuse in our group. And we have a lot of other Syracuse engineers from the other group that sometimes help us out if we need. So we have a pretty good team of engineers that has a wide range of specialities. So we had some of our Cologne engineers working on this. They're very good from the benchtop leak detector group. So they lent some of their expertise and we were able to come up with a pretty good product, in my opinion. Cool. Would you say there are any myths or misconceptions about the process of leak detection or, or maybe using cloud hunting that you could speak to? I think there are some. We spend a lot of time trying to train customers and we do a lot of one night trainings with contractors and things like that. And I think some of the biggest things is people tend to leak check too quickly is one of those things where they pull out their leak detector and they just wave it around like this and nope, nothing here. <laughs> you need to really slow down and go slow when you're checking for leaks. We're talking maybe an inch per second, something like that. It's pretty slow when you're trying to pinpoint anyway. But you can go a little bit faster if you're walking, like with a Stratus, if you're walking around looking at the PPM, you don't need to go that slow. But when you're right up on top of pipes or condenser or something, you need to go really slow because if you think about it, that the probe on, on a leak detector is what, about 17 inches long, something like that. So you have to get the air sample from the end of the probe all the way into the product into the sensor before it can detect it. It does have a pump or a fan in there, depending on the leak detector, but it still takes a half a second or a second to pull it in. So if you go by the leak too quickly, it's either going to not catch it and not alarm, or it's going to alarm eight, 10 inches away from where the leak site is. And then you have to go back and find it again. Then it's old news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's one of the things is make sure you go slow. The other thing I think is just, we try to tell people that it's good to know what kind of leak detector you're using, like what the sensor technology is, what are the shortcomings and advantages of that sensor technology. For example, if you are looking for a leak in an R22 system, you can't get much better than a heated diode sensor. Like a TechMate is fantastic for R22. The others, the DTEK Select or DTEK 3, those are great for R22 as well, but the TechMate, that's where it does the best. But the 
drawback of a heated diode type sensor is that it loses sensitivity over time as it's exposed to refrigerant because it's physically breaking down the sensor. There's that physics thing again. (laughs) (laughs) Where the, uh, an infrared sensor has the same sensitivity on day one as it does the day before it dies. So the A, it lasts a lot longer, much longer sensor life on an infrared, but it also is more sensitive the entire time. I remember, I think I met you when you were giving that presentation on sensor technologies at the educators conference. Yep. Yep. Years ago. I'd like to invite you to do a true tech webinar sometime, because I think some of that information, you need to have visuals in front of you. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Let's put a pin in that to do a webinar there. Mm -hmm. You'd mentioned leak detectors, refrigerant leak detectors is the primary products, but the service tools division, it's not the service leak detector division, it's tools. What else does Symphicon have? Right. We've been expanding our line over the years. We have a recovery machine, Vortex Dual. We have a vacuum pump, QS5, a vacuum gauge, the Pilot Plus, a CO detector or monitor, I should say, the CO check. We have a Whisper, the ultrasonic leak detector. Let's see, we have uh, refrigerant recovery scales, the uh, Waytech and Waytech HD wireless. So we also just started selling uh, stationary monitors this year. The LDM150 and LDM150R, those are meant more for smaller systems, like one monitor per reach-in cooler or something like that. But that's a little bit new to us. You gave a, quite a great background on the company, the products yourself. Give you kind of a chance to wrap it up. Any other points you want to give? And if you don't have something at the top of your mind, I'm just going to ask you, what do you think the future holds for the service tools for HVAC? We're a growing unit. The service tools group at Inficon has been growing for quite a few years now, and we're not showing any signs of slowing down, really. So the biggest problem that we have, to be honest, is that we're almost growing too fast because you can only develop so many products at once especially if you want to do it right and not just throw garbage out the door, which we are not willing to do, (laughs) not willing to make that compromise. I think you'll definitely, our group is growing. We're adding more people. We have a couple of new engineers helping us out. And so we're, hopefully this is just the tip of the iceberg for us and we'll keep developing into a bigger group. And And just so people know that the products are available, wholesalers around the country, around the world, internet distributors, anything else I'm missing there? What's the typical... Now, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, they we sell in, I'm sure your listener base is primarily U.S. So in the U.S., pretty much almost any of the HVAC distributors you can think of, we're available and online, of course, at True Tech Tools. Ah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> any closing thoughts or maybe a mode of contact if someone wants to follow up with you? We have our 800 number, obviously, where people can contact us if they have any questions anytime. I should mention that. That's one of the things I think that sets us apart from a lot of competitors is Inficon. Like I said, Inficon is a worldwide company. So we have support all around the world. So in the US, if you call our 800 number, you talk to a person in Syracuse. So they're willing to help you out. And we do our best. One of the things we pride ourselves on is customer service. So we try to get to the customers, try to help solve their problems right away. And if we can't, then there's an issue if we can't. (laughs) We always try to make it right whenever we can. So it's important to us to make sure we have happy customers out there. Do you have that number handy? So the number is 1-800-344-3304. Got it. We also have an email address that we pay close attention to. It's service.tools at inficon.com. So either of those easy to get a hold of anybody here in Syracuse. And if you have any specific questions for me, 
shoot an email over, put my name on it, and ask for me. Take a look at it. Attention, Bob Belvick. Yep. One final question I had. I believe Inficon's a publicly traded company. So we are, yeah. Inficon is actually publicly traded on the Swiss Stock Exchange. Ah. Technically, our parent company, uh, I shouldn't say parent company, our holding company, the Inficon Inc., is in Switzerland. Our main office is there in Switzerland. It's a very small office with not a lot of people, but the main office is there. And then practically speaking, the main offices are the main factory there, the Cologne, Germany, and Syracuse, New York. Got it. That's different than a lot of other companies that I work with. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's one of the things that kind of sets us apart a little bit. I mean, not that we're a huge company because we're compared to the Googles of the world or we're pretty small, but as far as leak detector companies, we're pretty big. So that helps us, gives us a lot of resources to work with and a lot of knowledge shared across our engineering group and even our marketing people. Very good. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today, Bob. It was very, very interesting for me and um, glad to learn more about the products and hope our listeners enjoyed what they heard today about Inficon. Check it out. Check out their website, Inficon.com. Is that correct? It is. Yep. I-N-F-I-C-O-N, which stands for, wait, 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 Instruments for Intelligent Control. That's right. Okay. (laughs) All right. I will remember that. (laughs) Okay. Thanks a lot, Bob. Thank you, listeners, for listening in. Take care, Bob. Bill, thanks for having me on, and thanks for anybody listening. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. This episode was recorded in July of 2020. It's our goal at the podcast to create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance techs and help the two professions work better together. Other trade-related resources and influencers that we work with include HVAC Our School, HVAC Shop Talk, Stephen Rarden, HVAC Reefer Guy, Tool Pros, Service Business Mastery, Quality HVAC, HVAC Overtime, HVACR Videos, and HomeDiagnosis.tv, and of course, our friends at MeasureQuick. I'm also host of the ResTalk podcast, where you can learn more about residential energy ratings and peripheral topics. Here's a quote for today. Research is to see what everybody else has seen and to think what nobody else has thought. And that's attributed to Hungarian scientist, Albert Szent Gergi. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of the Building HVC Science Podcast, please email me at bill at truetechtools.com. And some of the topics we discuss require technical training for proper interpretation or safe execution. So if you're trained pro, then you can go right ahead. If you're not, please consult with and hire a pro. The Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. Thank you very much for listening in to this episode, and we look forward to having you back again in the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Take care.